Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, folks. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Spoken, and uh, Spoken is a service that allows you to develop your English uh, using your mobile phone. They send you lessons and tasks and things uh, through messaging apps on your phone. And uh, Spoken tend to focus on improving uh, people's English for professional purposes, but they are flexible. They'll do, they'll teach you English for all sorts of different situations. Uh, and basically, it works with your favorite messaging apps uh, to connect you to a native English-speaking coach, and that coach will send you business English lessons built for your needs. So it's kind of flexible. They react to the way that you uh, answer the questions and your needs based on you as an individual learner. And uh, Spoken is apparently doing very well. Lots of people are using it. And uh, you can get a discount of 20% off any of their courses. And also, you can try two free lessons. Two free lessons to check it out. If you like it, you can get a 20% discount. Uh, go to getspoken.com slash LEP. Getspoken.com slash LEP. Or click a Spoken logo on my website. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, folks. Welcome to the podcast. Hope you're doing well. How are you today? You all right? Having a nice day? I hope so. Uh, Here's a new episode of the podcast to maybe keep you company while you're traveling around doing whatever it is that you're doing. And in this one, I'm talking about punk music and culture with James, my brother. So a bit of pop culture history in this episode, talking about the musical movement of punk and the social situation in which it happened. Uh, This year, uh, we have several anniversaries in British music. Uh, We've got the 50th anniversary of Sgt. Pepper uh, by the Beatles, that classic album, 50 years ago this year, and uh, 40 years ago... Now celebrating its 40th anniversary uh, is the album uh, Nevermind the Bollocks by the Sex Pistols. Um, So two albums that um, were released within sort of 10 years of each other. Um, Quite big differences in the musical style. And um, a lot changed in British music between the release of those two albums. 1967, when Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band was released by the Beatles. That was uh, the height of the peace and love movement. But 10 years later, music um, was much more gritty, cynical and realistic. And in this episode, we're looking at the whole punk movement, understanding sort of where it came from, uh, what it was all about, what the music was like, who was involved uh, and how the whole thing has now become a sort of pop culture myth. And I'm joined by my brother, James, who's been a fan of punk music ever since he borrowed a tape of the Sex Pistols from a chef when he was a teenager. Um, I don't think the fact that it was a chef has any huge significance on the story, uh, but I just like saying that he borrowed the tape from a chef. Um, I-, I could just imagine a man in a chef's hat giving James a tape. It's just me. 
it's just me. Okay, fine. But anyway, he discovered pop music, uh, pop music, no, he discovered punk music later, uh, properly in the 1990s when he was a teenager. So he wasn't actually there at the time that the music was being made in 1977. Uh, he was too young, obviously. He was a child. Um, and uh, But he has collected lots of records by punk bands. He's read all of the books. He's seen all the documentaries. He's uh, even played drums in a few punk bands himself. So I think he knows more about punk than anyone else that I know. So I think he's a good person to talk to about this subject. Uh, check out the page for this episode on the website where you will see video playlists uh, chosen by James and also a musical punk mix that he did from his vinyl record collection. Uh, all of those things can be found on the page for the episode. Uh, we Without any further ado, you can now listen to my conversation with James about punk, uh, rock, music and culture. Why are we talking about punk in this episode? I have no idea. Didn't you get a, a listener request something about this? I think this? I did, but I can't remember where it was or who it was. But someone wrote to me, um, I guess it was after another episode that I've done, and he said it would be really great uh, for you to talk about punk music and the sort of history of punk music in the UK. I'm sorry I can't remember who that was, but if that was you, then get in touch. But um, I thought that's a really good subject for the podcast because my brother James was always a huge fan of punk music, right? I have to say, I wasn't actually there at the time. I was only two years old when right. the album came out. So I wasn't really, you know, part of the scene. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> Just a two-year-old child wandering around. <laughs> Like there's all these but, punk rockers jumping up and down and sort of smashing up guitars, and then there's just a two-year-old in the middle of the mosh pit. No, that's by the not... way, they didn't. They didn't smash up guitars, didn't they? Because they couldn't afford it. Right, right. You're thinking of the Who. The Who, yeah, and that was earlier on. Um, so you were always a fan of punk music, but you got into it later on in the kind of I, in the '90s when you. I think I got into it around about 1989. Is when a friend of mine at school, Richard Sexty, great name. Great guy. Richard. <laughs> Great drummer. Sexy. <laughs> he gave me a, um, a tape with Nevermind the Bollocks on one side and I think some Public Image Limited on the other side. And that's when I first really got into Sex Pistols. And my uncle at that point, when he heard that I was getting into it, he gave me some of his punk records. And I bought some off a chef that I worked with. A as chef? Well. So, a chef, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it was it's just anyway i just got into it quite late obviously but when you're sort of that teenage age where you're really exploring new types of music mm. it was something that i really got into and what was it about punk music then as opposed to any other kind of music that you kind of got into well there's i'm not going to say it's all punk music because like everything there's good and there's bad yeah but the sex pistols for instance they're just so um i mean I actually didn't think they were that heavy when i first heard them because by the time i'd heard them Lots of other bands had come afterwards that actually sound much heavier. But I thought it was just very, very direct. The lyrics grabbed me at being so, like, shockingly, um, sort of, I don't know, so un, un, uh, so so direct, that's the word. Mm -hmm. Very direct and um, very original. They weren't sort of, they weren't really trying to sound good. Like the vocals, they wasn't trying to sing really well. Mm -hmm. He was trying to sound really sort of nasty and provocative and weird and uh, kind of it was kind of that schoolboy kind of humour. But also he managed to put loads of sarcasm into his voice yeah. when he was singing. It's really like, it's almost sarcastic. 
I get the impression that he's like the only singer ever to have been sarcastic while singing. And yeah, it feels it certainly felt like it was really appeals when you're sort of a snarky teenager yourself to hear someone just mocking the whole thing of being a lead singer and doing it almost as a joke. Right. And that kind of sneering kind of attitude was quite funny and quite shocking at times. Some of the lyrics are quite nasty. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, quite joyous, really. So was it? were you into being sort of shocking and provocative? At Not that really, time? but it's just nice to hear music that sort of shakes you by the lapel slightly. Okay. And what was, what was the other music that was going around at the time? When you got into well, when I was that was around about when Nirvana were coming out and people like that and Babes in Toyland and bands that were influenced by punk. Um, I think Nirvana were definitely very influenced by the Sex Pistols. Okay, Um, so it kind of fitted into that kind of grungy sort of era of Mm -hmm. the early Mm nineties quite well. And there's bands like Jesus and Mary Chain from the late eighties who were British and they were kind of taking what some punk bands had done and taking it a bit further. Yeah. So okay. it did seem to fit in quite well. I see. So, I mean, obviously you care about this music um, quite a lot, but why do you think that um, my listeners should uh, find this of any importance? You know, what's I the, don't know, what's, really. What's the importance of punk music in British culture in general and why are we oh, talking about it? I think, well, good, good art, right, to get a bit pretentious, should reflect the culture of the time. Mm-hmm. In fact, that some people say that is the purpose of art, is to reflect the culture it's come from in a way that can be seen, maybe shown in a, in a way you hadn't really noticed before, or reflect back like a sort of mirror on society. And the best art does that, and the Sex Pistols really does that, and some punk bands do that. They really reflect back the times. Okay. So people... And also, they're just a great rock band. I mean, if you're into rock and roll riffs... Um, they're one of the best. Yeah. Um, but the thing you said before was that, um, like understanding the music helps you to understand the culture of the, of the time. So I think so. Yeah. I think they really are of, of their time. So I suppose what something like punk music or the music of the Sex Pistols represents for British culture is that it's a little picture of, uh, what was going on at that period of time, just, you know, the end of the 1970s, uh, just and it's before- kind of a, a facing up to it facing up to the reality mm-hmm. whereas the the hangover from the kind of hippie movement was almost like trying to avoid reality yes and sort of put a nice angle on everything, and Idealis- make everything idealism idealism where really that idealism had sort of failed but no one had really addressed that yet everyone was still trying to pretend that things weren't as bad as they were right um and they were just sort of the opposite of that. And they were just like, here's reality right in your face. Mm-hmm. They've got a song called Problems. Right. Which is, I don't think any other band in the history of the UK or anywhere else has written a song called Problems. Mm-hmm. Whereas, <laughs> you know, not issues, but problems. And the problem is you. <laughs> uh-huh. That's the conclusion of the song. It's not, it's the complete opposite of um, peace and love, basically. Yeah. It's not saying, "Hey, let's all get together." It's saying, "This is reality, and you should you should accept it." The lyrics are absolutely brilliant. Um, they're sort of they're little poems, really. And I think I honestly think in a hundred years' time, assuming our education system hasn't completely gone to shit, that people will be studying John Lydon's lyrics in school mm-hmm. as they do 
William Blake or John Milton or someone like that. Yeah. That, that sounds massively pretentious, but I do believe that it will be in textbooks of the future as as a little reflection of what was going on in that time and place. Yes, absolutely. Like kind of the, the pop music of today is the classical music of uh, of the future. And I mean, the, the Sex Pistols arrived um, 10 years or so after the Beatles, 10 or 15 years. But some of the Beatles work is now being held up. Um, as you know getting close to the status of of like classical music don't you think yeah and it's seen as the complete the height of 60s culture the peak yeah is something like sergeant pepper which is seen as the kind of the shining light of the 60s and something that you can all agree on is brilliant and it really captured a moment and it was really captured the age of optimism and excitement and new ideas and I think rightly so. It's just as valid as any artwork or poem. Mm-hmm. It's you, you can enjoy it. It's really enjoyable. You can get... I'm not really explaining myself very well, but I mean, if you like good music, you should just give it a try. And yeah. uh, it can be really uplifting, weirdly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's not all negative and nasty. It's, some of it's really funny and kind of that fuck it feeling. Right. Of like, don't worry too much. Just let it all let it all go mm-hmm. like there what's the word it's it's uh therapeutic there's, it's um, there's another word um it's like you know when people play computer games oh, and, cathartic cathartic yeah that's the word i was looking for right it's a form of catharsis where you can kind of get out all your negative energy that's just sound like a hippie just um, get out your negative energy <laughs> you just gotta get out all your negative energy man yeah, but it's 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 very honest music and it's very cathartic music i uh-huh. find Okay, so what gives you any authority uh, on this subject? Why should we listen to you talking about this then? Absolutely none whatsoever. You've got no authority at all? None whatsoever, but I think that's quite only correct. I mean, there's plenty of um, stuff written about the Sex Pistols, probably ma- maybe more than any other band, possibly, do, do uh, you, aside from the Beatles. Do you, have you ever had a Sex Pistols t-shirt? No, I've got a Sex Pistols hanky. All right, because I, I thought you might be able to say, I've been there, I've done that, uh, uh, I've got the T-shirt, but you've got no, the I've hanky. Got, I've got a Sex Pistols hanky, which um, they made with the gods, with the Anarchy in the UK graphic on it, which what? Steve Jones used to wear on his head, like a sort of seaside postcard style Right. So I've got a replica of one of them. I've got several, I've got a print that my uncle gave to me that he got from someone at art school. Mm-hmm. It's a print. Of the Sex Pistols, of this, uh, a photographic print. Yeah. Of the Sex Pistols walking down the King's Road or somewhere, um, which is quite nice. I've what, got two Sex Pistols posters in my flat framed. Okay. A pretty vacant one and a Who Killed Bambi one. Okay. So you're a fan? I'm a big fan. Um, and I watched all their, uh, all the old archive clips, and there's some very good documentaries about them, which are worth... Mm-hmm. I'll link at the bottom, because they're all in YouTube, thanks to copyright infringement. <laughs> you can watch them all. <laughs> um uh what was i going to say uh i was gonna say you've read loads of the books of of the protagonists as well right so i mean true there's a few quite famous books there's one by john savage i think yeah called england's dreaming Mm -hmm. which is the kind of the official tome about punk which is a bit serious a bit po-faced and there's johnny rotten's books which are quite funny and Steve Jones just brought out his autobiography. He's the guitarist. I've read that, and that's very good. Okay, you know, I I read 
the um, the one England's Dreaming, John Savage. Yeah, what I, did I, you think of that? I read that at university. I thought it was brilliant. So I thought it was like everything you need to know, basically, about the whole yeah. thing. Um, fine. So what is punk then, James? Okay. As our as our resident non-expert, <laughs> with no no qualifications other than being a big fan, what what actually is punk music or punk? Well, it's it's sort of agreed or sort of the the consensus is that it's a musical and to lesser extent fashion and design movement from mm-hmm. the late seventies, both in America and in the UK and then which spread out to the rest of the world. I think the Americans can claim to have invented punk if they want to. I don't think many actually want that claim. Um, but the, the the name punk came from a fanzine. Yeah, what's that? Which was be- uh, like a little fan-made magazine or zine, mm-hmm. um, which was created in New York uh, by a guy whose name I can't remember, Legs McNeil or someone. Yeah. Um, and that was where the name punk kind of generally came from. I thought it was just some person of no importance, just some kind of street guy of no importance. You know, like who? It can mean couple both. Of, just a couple of punks down an alleyway. You know, yeah, it can mean a sort of low life. Scum, I think in scumbag. Prison, yeah, a scumbag. It, it's like in the it, the Dirty Harry movie when Clint Eastwood goes, you know, well, do you feel lucky, punk? It's the same word. Yeah. Okay. But here it means like a street kind of person well uh, it wasn't really used in the uk it's not really an english word it's more of an american word isn't it right okay and so it's it became associated with this musical and sort of fashion movement yeah um, but mainly because of this fanzine and people started talking about the punk scene so it was just a word that stuck essentially okay, okay. what are the origins of uh, uk punk then well like i say i think all the early punk bands were american from new york there's the ramones there's the New York Dolls, there's Iggy Pop and the Stooges, and quite a few others, all of which were going before punk happened in the UK. Mm-hmm. So I think the New Yorkers can claim to have invented punk, but when it reached the UK, the Sex Pistols kind of came to define it, and bands like The Clash and The Damned mm-hmm. um, had they, their own version of punk. And it, although it started in America, it didn't really make a big impact. It was quite a localised scene, and no one really took it very seriously. But in the UK, because there was, there was quite a lot of notoriety around it, mm-hmm. and it got in the tabloid newspapers, it became a big sensation in the press, mm-hmm. and therefore spread on further. I see. Okay. What about the musical context, then? Okay, it's generally strop- stripped down basic rock and roll music essentially stripped it's, down basic rock and roll music it's it's at a time when lots of the prog rock bands were out and like bands like genesis and yes and stuff and also a lot of disco and kind of cheesy dance music we might just need to give a little sort of history from around the 60s up until um the sex pistols like okay, the history go, of sort of pop music uh, so if we start with like rock and roll music in america and elvis presley and, and people like that which was seen as quite controversial at, at the time yeah because uh, elvis was a bit controversial because he used to swing his hips and he did all these sexy movements and basically rock and roll so that kind of elvis rock and roll it was sort of a mixture between country music and blues music and, and chuck berry of and, course and there's other of... artists like little richard and chuck berry and other people and it was a bit controversial and seen as a bit shocking um and then 
it was really popular in in the UK with certain young people who managed to find the the music, and then you know on records or, or like pirate radio stations and things, and then bands in the UK started uh, uh, cropping up, and you got the the early kind of nineteen early sixties British bands were basically copies of the American standards. So you got the the Shadows, who were a bit like a sort of surf rock band from the West Coast, and you got uh, Cliff Richard, who was a sort of a an El- the British Elvis Presley kind of thing it wasn't until later on that uh british bands uh developed their own sort of style which essentially was them attempting to recreate the 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 sounds from america that they'd heard on record but sort of doing it with a certain slightly different style and it became this british uh pop sort of phenomenon and then weirdly like the beatles the, and the rolling stones the beatles the rolling yeah. stones the kinks and all those bands especially the beatles and then surprisingly enough they made it huge in america especially the beatles they broke the american market and you ended up with this kind of this thing called um you know the british invasion that's where all the british bands really invaded america and sort of like took over the pop music scene there and i guess then after that there was the sort of peace and love free mo- free love kind of thing that happened and then you ended up with the rock music which is like this much more serious and um uh, ambitious kind of pretentious music that went in a few different directions it went all sort of bluesy like led zeppelin and bands like that and it went kind of um heavy and like metal so you ended up with bands like black sabbath um and it also went kind of glam like the david bowie kind of um um uh, what was the other bands the uh, t-rex as well that kind of glam rock stuff um, and prog rock as well, which is like this really sort of super musical, noodly kind of um, space music, uh, a bit like Pink Floyd or something. And then sort of within this context of all these different types of music in the 70s, most of it being played by like excellent musicians who, uh, you know, were masters of their instruments and stuff like that. And then punk music emerged within that yeah. musical context kind of as a reaction to some of that big stadium thing that you've got to be an excellent musician you've got to have a huge synthesizer rack you've got to you know yeah be be amazing and be really serious and there was like a bigger distance growing between the audience and the bands and it became more like a sort of fan worship sort of situation right and at the same time as punk there was a kind of pub rock scene in england where smaller bands would play smaller gigs and they were playing more basic music again. Mm-hmm. And it kind of went along at the same time as that punk kind of started around the same kind of time. Okay. Because so it was a sort of a, a sort of back to basics approach. Right. As a reaction to this kind of, un- the, the fact that musicians were these unattainable gods um, and you could never hope to kind of recreate what they do, which yeah. I guess sort of, you know, left some people feeling a bit fed up because they're just like, I'm not part of this. And so punk was that a reaction against that being the most basic sort of simple stripped down thing. You don't have to be a musical genius to do it. Um, you know, famously there was that what uh, graphic in a zine or something. Uh, I think that was in a magazine called Sniffing Glue, a magazine which was a UK a UK zine or uh-huh. fanzine. And you're talking about the three chords thing, yeah. And there was a, a sort of little diagram of three basic chords drawn on a, a scale what are they what do they call that the f- uh, uh that um you mean the fret fretboard of a guitar yeah and it was like here's a chord here's another here's another now form a band right okay. and that was kind of quite a nice way of summing up the attitude of like forget having to be an expert just get stuck in 
And so what were the bands like? You know, how did they play their instruments and, and, it's generally, and why? It's generally quite fast, quite loud, fairly aggressive. Um, not all of them. Some of them were quite slow and went off in different directions. But generally, it's a kind of fast, confrontational kind of style. Okay. And was there a difference in, in the gigs? So, like, the previous gigs, there were, the bands would have been on a high stage and there were a lot of studio lights and stuff like that. But in a typical punk gig, what what would it look like? It was much smaller. I mean, one of the main venues was a place called the 100 Club on Oxford Street, yeah, which is no. still there. You can still go there. I've performed there. You, so you have I. Yeah. I've, I've as well. And that's a small, would you say, 200 capacity venue? Um, Maybe less. Yeah, if it's absolutely packed. Yeah, between 100 and 200 people will fit in there. And um, so you're talking about much, much smaller space and much mm. more direct and much less division between the bands and the fans, I suppose. Yeah, because the bands and the fans would be on kind of the same level. They were kind of interchangeable as well, and they'd always be fans starting bands every week, supposedly. And then, you know, a week later, they'd be playing alongside right. the band they saw the week before, that kind of thing. So it was very DIY you know back to basics kind of approach right and they wasn't there a lot of spitting and violence i think that came later um there was a bit and the the, the shows were quite violent but you've got to remember it was quite a violent time in general mm-hmm. i mean it does get slightly blown out of proportion but at the same time there was all sorts of football violence going on there was you know gang violence skinheads and mm. uh it just was a violent time in general so right. Yeah, I guess there was a bit of violence, but from what I've seen, it was it's been a bit exaggerated. Okay, so what about the the, the politics then? Were were these young people making this music and attending this scene? Did they have political views? I, th- I think it's seen perceived as a very political movement, but I don't think it actually was. But what about? Uh, there's some bands like the Clash had political ideals. A band like the Sex Pistols didn't particularly. So it was an individual thing. I think most of the songs are about individual anger and personal, the personal rather than the political. But there is a perception that it was political, which I don't think is quite right. But certainly the clash were quite political. Uh, we used to see some clothing that would that had been designed by, um, you know, Malcolm McLaren's girlfriend. Vivian, uh, Vivian Westwood. Vivian Westwood. Yeah, I couldn't remember her name for a second. Vivian Westwood, now a famous uh, designer. But she designed a lot of the clothing that, that, that the punks wore, and it was sold in Malcolm McLaren's shop called Sex on the King's Road. And some of, the, some of that clothing did have some iconography on it. Like they it were, certainly looked quite controversial. They had swastikas on them. Swastikas, they also had yeah. Imp- they also had uh, images of Karl Marx on them, so they kind of had both bases covered there. But what- it was just for shock factor, and I don't think there was anything genuinely political behind it. It was just to cause offence, basically. So they were just trying to shock people? So I don't think they really knew much about politics, to be honest. And even a song like Anarchy in the UK, they're not really anarchists. Like some bands that came later, like Crass and whatever, do actually believe in that as a lifestyle. I think the Sex Pistols were using politics to sell pop music essentially okay As, whereas yeah the perception is that they were very political and that there was a sort of a, an affront to the establishment and all this rubbish but th- they weren't particularly political really so what was all that about then why were they trying to shock everyone i don't know you'd have to ask them <laughs> um because i think a lot of it came from johnny rotten himself he was a very angry young man 
he who, was who's, like, who's Johnny Rotten? John Lydon, that he was the singer of the Sex Pistols, who got brought in on a whim, kind of by accident actually, to audition for them. And he was a very weird, spiky, angry little git, mm-hmm. um, with a chip on his shoulder. What do you mean? It just he had a very bad attitude, <laughs> but it was quite funny. It was the complete antithesis. That's a good word. Complete opposite of. Um, <laughs> I like the way something you, like. <laughs> I like the way you just myself went, props. That was a good word. <laughs> I, I, I'll, have to, I'll have to remember to do that in my conversations more often. Let's just drop. Just give yourself some self appreciation. Yeah. So, like, um, you know, what I'm really worried about is this is going to. Well, they're ex- learning English, right? They're learning. English. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I just wanted antithesis. To... That's the word with the word of the day. Antithesis. I, I, I want to do that in in my conversations more. You know, I'll just be saying, yeah, well, you know, obviously we're worried that this is going to exacerbate the situation. That was a good word. <laughs> that was a good word. <laughs> so, what was it? Antithesis. The Johnny the antithesis R- of like all the big blown grandiose silly music that was around at the time that wasn't uh, very. It was just a bit wet and a bit soft and not particularly edgy. direct or edgy or honest either. Because if, if you look at what was going on, it was a pretty bleak time. Well, what was going on at the time? It was bleak. Um, it was a good word. I think it was quite bleak. I mean, there was a lot of strike. I don't know. I'm just regurgitating the usual rubbish now. Well, I you don't mean, know. You mean the clean- I, it's... The cliches, that's another thing about punk. There's lots of cliches around it. And all these things I'm saying are slightly perceived... What do you call it? Perceived wisdom or... Um, good word. That's a good word. Re- that. Received wisdom. You Re- mean- received wisdom. Like, things become true because they've been said so many times. Right. Like the, We're telling stories that have been told again and again and again. And you see these documentaries on television with these musical people, you know, like... And it becomes fact because it's been said so many times the time there were strikes and there was rubbish piled up in the street and um... life in the 70s was absolute bollocks we had this uh, three day week uh, rubbish piling up in the streets no food in the supermarkets dead going unburied thanks to labour these dinosaur bands like ELP playing self-indulgent rock music fiddly guitar and keyboard solos going on forever said nothing whatever about one's life One afternoon, I turned on the TV. There was this band, the Sex Pistols. I watched Open Mouth while they played Anarchy in the UK. I am an antichrist. It was a clarion call to the working classes, and we responded. We knew from that moment that nothing was going to be the same. We had to get rid of all that baggage and be reprogrammed. It was as if they were saying, you could do this. You don't have to take this bullshit anymore. It was music that anyone could play. You just picked up a guitar, learned a couple of chords. That was it. You've got a band. All this kind of stuff. But it was true. There was there was a lot of social unrest at the time. Yes. Okay. So maybe the being provocative and stuff was just a way of sort of, I don't know, expressing their dissatisfaction and also yeah. kind of wanting attention. I mean, there was a lot sense. of unemployment. There was a lot of unemployment at the time. Um, although the kind of... The dole they got back then was generous compared to what they get these days. The dole? The uh, unemployment benefit. Right. Um, It was just a pretty grim time from what I can tell and not really reflected in the culture. The culture was like ignoring it and pretending that everything was fine. Mm. And I think these sort of very young, angry dudes uh, were just expressing themselves. 
Uh, how does Thatcher fit into this? Does she? She wasn't in power then. No. Uh, it was actually under a Labour government, uh-huh. I believe. Yeah. Um, Thatcher was about to come in, I think, in the 80s. And the second wave of punk, which was round about the early 80s. Second wave of punk? That was the kind of bands that were influenced by the Sex Pistols. And they're the kind of more hardcore punk bands that you know. Like the, the Mohicans didn't come in until the 80s. Mohicans? You know, the spiky, big spiky Mohican hairdo. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the very aggressive bands like Exploited, um, to some extent Sham 69, some of the sort of nastier punk bands came later. Okay. Some of which were great, some of which weren't. Okay. Then. GBH I like a lot. UK subs I really, really like, although they started quite early. Some I'm not so fond of. Okay. Uh, but we're going off on a tangent slightly here, aren't we? That's, that was the second wave of punk which happened in the 80s. But um, I guess like Thatcher coming in and changing everything was maybe a sort of a symptom, you know, of the same thing that led to musicians making all this kind of music, that it was like, you know, the sense that they wanted something to change um and you I know suppose. that that thatcher came in i you know that she obviously didn't sort of follow the same values as as the punks it seems in, unfortunately out in our country when people are pissed off they move to the right mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that's what happened that the sort of everyone was pissed off with the state of the country and sort of thatcher was a move to the right yeah that's right um okay so um what what about the main bands then what were the main okay, punk the bands, main in, bands. The, in the in the original sort of um, Let's see movement well i think the one of the earliest ones in the uk was the buzzcocks who were actually from manchester mm-hmm. and they're great they're kind of a pop a slightly poppier version of punk yeah a little bit more melodic yeah very cool quite influenced by the ramones i think but they've got their own thing going on they're kind of quite they stand on their own they're at the 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 buzzcocks yeah the best way of understanding it is just listening to it but they were normally sort of bittersweet love songs you'd say but very but with buzzsaw kind of guitars, very right. uh, spiky pop songs. Jangly kind of pop songs. Do you think that the, the Buzzcocks influenced British music a lot? I mean, I think... But, I mean, everyone listens to them at some point when you're growing up. You know, you, they're, they're a great band to listen to as a teenager. I think they'll be timeless, really. I reckon, uh, you know, a lot of the bands that came ar- came out when we were growing up in the mid-90s were influenced by the Buzzcocks. You know, a lot of the... Like kind of Blur and stuff like that. Blur and Elastica and these kind of Britpop groups. I get yeah. the feeling that they were doing this sort of... This teenage kind of rock and roll stuff, you know? Yeah. Without the kind of harsh edge of, of the Sex Pistols. More like this romantic kind of happy-go-lucky kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the Buzzcocks in Manchester... Wasn't I mean, the- they, weren't, they weren't in the least bit political... They no. were all about love songs. Right. And, and um, or you've been dumped songs or... Yes, yeah. Or they've got one called Boredom. That's about as political as it gets. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and wasn't there a gig in Manchester where the Sex Pistols played at a gig and it was kind yeah. of a significant moment? That's the one. There's a film called 24 Hour Party People which talks about that. Yeah. Which is a sort of fictionalised account of the Factory Records Manchester scene, mm-hmm. which sort of created bands like uh, Joy Division, New Order, uh, later on Happy Mondays and people like that. And apparently that all started from one Sex Pistols concert uh, in Manchester in 1976, That a few or a couple of shows, they, they played a couple there, and apparently all the people there went on to form bands. That's the legend. Like so, who? 
Joy Division, Morrissey, the Smiths, uh, the Smiths. Um, who else? I'll tell you who else was there. Mick Hucknall. Mick Hucknall. <laughs> who went on to form Simply Red? It's nothing to do with punk. It's kind of like soul revision. Yeah, s- but apparently it's, it sort of seems that it was it was less that um, they were brilliant and everyone thought, God, they're amazing. It was more that they're actually so bad. Yeah, the guy from New Order, Hooky, Pete, what's his name, Peter Hook? Yeah, always says that they were just so bad. He thought, well, if they can do that, I can do it. Right. So it was almost a, re- a reduction in quality. And like when you went to see Led Zeppelin, you just think, bloody hell, that's incredible. Right. I could never do that. But he said when they went to see the Sex Pistols, they were like, oh my God, that's awful. I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> June the 4th, 1976, the Sex Pistols play Manchester for the very first time. There are only 42 people in the audience, but every single one of them is feeding on a power and energy and a magic. Inspired, they will go out and perform wondrous deeds. For instance, Howard Devoto at the front, Pete Shelley at the back, they organise this gig. They're way ahead of everyone in Manchester, they're already the Buzzcocks. Howard later sleeps with my wife. Behind me are Stiff Kittens, soon to become Warsaw, later to become Joy Division, finally to become New Order. Ginger Nut, Mick Hucknall. That's John the Postman, he's a postman. And that guy dancing at the front, that's Martin Hannett, the only bona fide genius in the story. Well, one of the only two bona fide geniuses in the story. He will later try to kill me. So, uh, do you think there is a spirit of punk or a sort of purpose of it? How would you summarise uh, it? All? Um, What's it all about, really? I don't know. It's very hard to say because everyone's got their own angle on it. But I suppose sort of honesty, possibly, and lack of pretension. I don't know. What would you say? I don't know. I don't know. I think it's you know the the things that everyone always says um, are that it it's about getting back to basics, uh, kind of about breaking things down. Um, you know, like the music scene at the time, which was like all unattainable and sort of ego like uh, driven and like the gods of rock and stuff, breaking yeah. that all down to the sort of beginning again so that you can start again from scratch, giving yeah, everyone it, the feeling they can do whatever they want. You could say it was a revolution in it, as in the, literally a revolution. Things go round. Yeah. And it yeah. was like going back to the big the beginning again. Exactly. And the, the punk bands really were just like sort of groups of young guys in a garage. <laughs> you know four guys you know all girls usually guys in a garage like you know bashing away uh at the music and just playing this really fast rock and roll stuff which is like it you know that's how it was back in the early in the early days in the 50s in america you know same kind of thing yeah. um so yeah it did kind of come back full circle so that and the, back right, to, and the kind of the, the feeling that you can say what you want and no right. one's telling you not to no one's in control, saying, oh, I think you should do this, I think you should do that. A DIY approach of, like, if you want to do something, it's entirely up to you. And there's no, there's no sort of, no one telling you what you should or shouldn't do. Yeah. Just literally 
do whatever the hell you want. I think that was a big kind of shift in 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 culture. You know, I do culture. because I feel like these days we're sort of living out that that kind of idea a lot more. You know, like that was a turning point where people were like, let's just be individuals. Let's just do whatever we want. You know, and there was just yeah. this sort of freeing or individualization. And then Thatcher came in and really pushed the individualism, you know, it's just weird their death of the be- class system. And, you know, just everyone's the same. It's just about merit and what you can do, you know, do it yourself. It, it does fit in with the sort of it's, Tory it's values. Bizarre. It's in, very in bizarre. That's very bizarre. Yeah. But the thing is, though, that's the thing with politics. They do join up. Like anarchy actually meets free market economics. Yeah. At the bottom. You go up far left and you've got anarchy with no rules. And then you go extreme right is no rules either because they don't want any controls over business they, or over personal freedoms. It ends up in the same place. They just call it libertarianism. Yeah. And, you know, which, which is actually anarchy. Would, in a way. In a, in in a way, way yeah. in the sense that it's about res- lifting the restrictions. And, and so no on. state control. Right. Yeah. Isn't it weird the way that it all joins up? Yeah. It's strange. Very weird. Um, I so, but I mean, uh, but so we were going to go back to the cover the main bands. Okay. So the Buzzcocks, the Sex Pistols, which we've talked about a lot. The Clash, who I like, but they don't quite grab me the same way the Pistols do. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. They just seem a little bit more forced. You mean a bit more contrived? I mean. A bit more contrived. They were trying to be political. They were trying to be a punk band. They thought all their ideas through very carefully. They made these big, bold statements, but I think it was a bit too try-hard for me. But they wrote some great songs, like London Calling is a great pop song. Um, they wrote lots of good songs, and, taught, and they went on much longer than Sex Pistols. They had like six albums or something, didn't they? So mm. there's a lot more work to choose from. I actually think of The Clash as being like totally different to the sex pistols i don't yeah, compare they're, they're them at su- all they're superficially similar you might think that they're always lumped in together yeah but they're really nothing to do with each other like for me what i feel like the clash is more similar certainly their later stuff it's more similar to things like talking heads and um even stuff like the gorillas yeah you know it's that kind of um dub influenced sort of funk influenced uh, british punk kind of music well they went to new york and met all these hip-hop geezers yeah. and stuff and they kind of definitely used that sound and they evolved a lot more with the, the clash Pistols seemed to be completely unthought out if you know what i mean yeah like it was just an organic thing whereas they were already a band before john lydon or johnny rotten got involved yeah so they already had a sound and when he came in it completely changed their sound they they w- they wanted to be and also it sonically worked because johnny rotten had a quite a high-pitched voice mm. the bass is at the bottom drums and guitar are filling out the whole middle section and then there's this perfect sweet spot for his lyrics to go in yeah and that's production that's something else what a what about Sid Vicious? Because he's a famous member of the Sex Pistols. He is probably one of the most famous members, uh, which is a shame because he had the least contribution to make. Really? Um, but then again, the first place player was called Glenn Matlock and he was much more musician-like. Mm-hmm. And he could actually play the bass and he could play melodies. He went, oh God, when you hear in the early gigs, he's doing backup vocals. He's doing really cheesy harmonies. <laughs> and, um, like he's trying to be in like ABBA or... You know, he was really big fan of pop music, right? And the, which is fine, which is great, but it doesn't really have that edge of the Sex Pistols. Mm-hmm. And on the album, 
they'd actually chucked out Glenn by that point because they didn't get on with John. Yes. And Steve Jones, the guitarist, actually played all the bass lines on did the he? album. Did he really? As, yeah, except for one, which Sid played on. Yeah. Um, but he played the bass and the guitar on that album. Steve Jones did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what about Sid Vicious then? What, you know, Hang on, we were still going to go on about... I'll just quickly run through some more bands. Okay, go on. Go on. So we've had the, 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 the Buzzcocks, the Pistols, the Clash... Gosh. The Damned are another good one. The Damned, yeah. Again, not in the least bit political, really. Just, like, really raucous rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Their song, A New Rose, yeah. is possibly the best punk chong tune ever. It's up there. It's in the top three. Yeah. And they're, so they're worth checking out. And then the Slits, who were completely different. They're a three-piece girl band. Yes. Who really couldn't play. Uh, and they just got together because they wanted to, and they fancied doing something different. And they are completely... Um, Completely different to all the others. They're much more influenced by reggae. Mm-hmm. And some of their songs aren't in 4-4. Four, four, they're in 3-4 or 4-3 or something. Right. And they were just completely different. Very spiky, weird. I mean, apparently they could hardly play live. Yes. But on record, they managed to just about get it together. And the, the record cut is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's the few bands out of the way. Okay, all right. And I was But we were going to go back to Sid Vicious, right? Yeah, just a couple of individuals. So we've we've talked about some of the main people like, you know, uh the members of the Sex Pistols like Johnny Johnny Rotten, John Lydon, um and Steve Jones, Malcolm McLaren and um Vivian Westwood, um and other people too. I mean, there's um um Joe Strummer from uh, the Clash and the other members of the band. But uh, what about uh, Sid Vicious then who was in the Sex well, Pistols? He got brought in as a replacement for Glenn, the original bass player, because I think John Lydon wanted sort of a friend in the band. Uh-huh. But unfortunately, Sid was a bit of an idiot. And he was he was probably best of as their sort of super fan. Right. He says in an interview somewhere, I was the biggest fan they ever had. And I don't think he could quite handle it, being in the band himself. Mm-hmm. And it kind of went to his head. And they were so young. They were like 19, you know. Yeah. You remember what you were like when you were 19, oh, yeah. how yeah. young and stupid you were. Totally. So um, I don't think he was prepared, and it went pretty ugly with Sid, and he got into heroin, and it's a very tragic tale from mm-hmm. basically a, a little kid that shouldn't have been dropped in at the deep end. And apparently the name Vicious was kind of a joke. Yes. But the problem is when you call yourself Sid Vicious, you might just turn into the thing that you call yourself if you're right. not careful. Right, right. Which has a ha- you know, life has a habit of... Uh, doing that to you if you're not careful right so david bowie if you, said if that. you play if you play a role you become that role if you're not too careful yes yeah yeah i mean david bowie said that didn't he that uh during the mid 70s he was completely unaware of who he was because he lost himself playing these different characters um and probably all the drugs that he took that probably contributed to that <laughs> just a little bit david do you think so do you think so luke yeah i, I mean, do I, I do think so yeah do you not think David Bowie might become a brilliant uh, sort of gatekeeper in heaven? Some, some, are you doing? Some a, are you doing a Michael Caine impression? <laughs> <laughs> They're that, not that far apart, though, are they? I sort of take David Bowie's sort of town here, isn't he? He's sort of a bit, sort of a bit like that, James. So. so I like the punk bands. I think they're very good. I like the... Well, that's Jimmy Savile. <laughs> oh. See, that's another thing about the Pistols. They were shown as like these absolutely in the press, you know, shocking disgusting you know animals yeah perverts but when you look at what was actually going on in society at that time jimmy, they were nothing jimmy savile was and r- rampant the, the politics of the time and uh, the sex Pistols were just a bunch of kids playing rock and roll music it wasn't yeah. really that outrageous they weren't were they really they were fine Not really and if you look at the rest of society 
It looks absolutely absurd now. Yeah, there was like... The Sex Pistols haven't really dated. They look relevant now. Yeah. The whole rest of the 70s looks absolutely ridiculous. Yes. And you can see that in some of the archive videos of the Pistols. The whole era... I mean, okay, I'll quickly talk about Julian Temple. He's a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. Because this is a good thing about punk. Some of the, the people in the periphery are just as interesting as the bands themselves. Right. So Julian Temple's a filmmaker, and he made... He was an art student, I think. They're all just like students making it up as they went along right and he was a friend of malcolm mclaren who was the manager of the sex pistols and he made the great rock and roll swindle which is an absolutely horrendous film uh film a sort of fictionalized account of the sex pistols which sort of blows up the myth because that's what malcolm mclaren was interested in doing right rewriting the myth he he sort of he loved making a myth and then destroying it and um it's, that's another thing I like about it. It's very irreverent. That's a good word. Irreverent. <laughs> <laughs> Not irrelevant, irreverent. Okay. So it, it, doesn't, it doesn't, like, buy its own mythology. So it doesn't take itself too seriously, and they're quite happy to blow up their own mystique just for a laugh or just to cause offence to even to the fans, just to piss off the people that have... <laughs> right. Just to stop any form of pretension... But anyway, he made the rock and roll swindle, and then he then went on to make later on uh, a lot more intelligent uh, films about London and about. There's one called London, Babylon London, or London and Modern Babylon, which mm-hmm. is really good. Mm-hmm. But he made a documentary about the Sex Pistols much later, which is really good. And he made one about their Christmas gig, '77, which I'll put at the bottom of this, which is absolutely priceless. And it, the first half of it's all just footage from TV from the time. Mm-hmm. 1977 British TV, mm-hmm. and it's just it's so bad. Really, it's so we just look like a bunch of complete nutters. The whole country, you yes. know. You look back on it all; it was just what what a, what a weird bunch, right? And then and then you get the coverage of the Sex Pistols doing their gig on a boat at, at Christmas. No, it was it was a, for a fireman strike. Again, this is to do with the strikes that were going on at the mm-hmm. time, and the, mm-hmm. um. And they were supporting the firemen who'd been on strike and they couldn't afford to have a proper Christmas. So they did a gig for the kids in the afternoon. Oh, wow. <laughs> the kid, the firemen's children. And then they did a, a gig for the grown-ups that evening. And the footage of the kids' gig is just hilarious. They're all running around with Sex Pistols t-shirts on and um, throwing cake at Johnny Rotten and stuff. Fantastic. And it's really, really funny. And that's that's one of the best videos I've seen of them because uh, you get to see that they weren't really that scary. They were just hilarious. They were just kind of like a comedy band. Yeah, well, funny times. Anyway, we're, we're going on a bit. How long has it been? Uh, about 45 minutes. Okay, let's see what else is on the list quickly. What's el- what else is on the list? Well, there's drugs, but I don't I've think got, we need to go into that too much, I've the got, drugs. Okay, this I've got what was the era like music scene at the time? We've kind of said about that. Yeah, we have, yeah. I've got, um, after that, I've got what was the reaction to punk? I think we've okay, talked about that a, a little bit. bit well, now. not really, because the story of punk in the UK is kind of the story of the UK press. Uh-huh. as much as it is anything else because they got the sex pistols got put on this tv program called bill grundy which was an itv early evening sort of variety show chat show kind of thing chat show and queen was supposed to do it and queen pulled out for some reason so they got dumped in at the last minute so the sex pistols ended up on this tv show even though yeah that wasn't the original plan queen yeah it was, was kind of ac- accident and uh they did i they claim not to know it was live. They claim that they weren't really paying attention. No one told them it was live. Okay. And they got completely drunk. 
and then they went out and i think the idea was to make them look a bit stupid you know here's the new the new fad mm-hmm. the new craze punk let's let's bring some punks on it'll be funny and let's make fun of them well sort of yeah and um i think steve jones basically swore quite a lot and johnny ron swore a bit and they just took the piss out of the interviewer quite mercilessly in a way that school kids would when like you know there's a supply teacher <laughs> yeah <laughs> or when there's a teacher that you you'd sense a weakness or something or an old bloke in the pub that's being a bit leery you'd sort of take the piss out of them right and it was really funny to watch what did they say like what was grundy saying he said to one of the girls we'll meet afterwards shall we as a sort of you know lewd comment like we'll meet afterwards like some sort of suggestive rude yeah, dirty and, um, old man kind of thing steve well that's what steve jones started quoting a comedy show at the time called steptoe and son I yeah think, where the, the catchphrase was you dirty old man you dirty old man and he yeah. goes you dirty fucker what a fucking rotter yeah which sounds quite mild by today's standards and, but at and- the time i think it was a big shock to see that on tv see these spotty little oiks and wasn't swearing there, at the TV man. Wasn't there a bit where John Lydon says shit and Grundy goes, what was that? And he goes, nothing. Yeah, it's like a school a dirty, board, yeah. a dirty word. A rude word. A rude word. And, and, he, and he goes, well, what was it? Shit. <laughs> right? Doesn't it's that happen? It's quite funny. Yeah, it does happen. And it's um, it's just a, a generational... Yeah, big generation gap. The big generation gap. And but, it's funny. The new craze, they tell me. They're uh, heroes. Not the nice, clean Rolling Stones. You see, they are as drunk as I am. They are clean by comparison. They are a group called the Sex Pistols. And I'm surrounded now by all of them. What? Are you serious? Or are you just making it, trying no, to make gone. me laugh? Gone. Really? Yeah. No, but I mean about what you're doing. Oh, yeah. You, you are serious? Mm. Beethoven, Mozart, Bach and Brown have all died. Really? What are we saying, sir? wonderful people. Are they? Yes, they really turn us on. What do they do? Well, suppose they turn other people on. That's just it, after it. It's what? Nothing, a rude word. Next question. No, no. What was the rude word? Shit. Was it really? Good heavens, you frightened me to death. Oh, all right. So what about you girls you behind? I thought you're dead, isn't it? Are you, uh... <laughs> well, your granddad. Are you worried or are you just enjoying yourself? Enjoying myself. Are you? Yeah. yeah. That's what I thought you were doing. I always wanted to meet you. Did you really? Yeah. We'll meet afterwards, shall we? <laughs> yeah. You dirty yeah. son. Yeah. You dirty <laughs> old man. Well, keep going, Chief. Keep going. <laughs> Go on, you've got another five you seconds. Dirt, Say something outrageous. You dirty bastard. Go on, again. <laughs> you dirty fucker. What a clever boy. What a yeah. fucking rotter. Well, that's it for tonight. <laughs> the other rocker, Abel, I'm saying nothing else about him, will be back tomorrow. I'll be seeing you soon. I hope I'm not seeing you again. From me, though, good night. Grundy lost his job after that, didn't he? Yeah, he got sacked and he was never heard from again. Right. And the, then. Because he kind of encouraged them. He actually asks Steve Jones to swear. Right. He goes, Go on, you've got another 10 seconds. Say something outrageous. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which is not something you should say real, if real you're trying Alan, to... Re- <laughs> real Alan Partridge moment. Well, I think Alan Partridge is actually quite inspired by Grundy. Yes. It's like things going wrong and that generation gap thing. Right, right. The first right. series of Partridge is like that Grundy episode, but it happens every week. Right, <laughs> it is. Um, and so the thing is, though, that because at the time... So anyway, so the tabloids went mental. The next day, 
I don't know if people know, but in our country, the press is pretty out of control. And they they love a bit of outrage. They they love it more than anything else, a moral outrage. Because the important thing is that um, at the time, there were only like three channels on TV. Yeah. So like half the population saw this, this uh, outrageous interview. And there's some really funny quotes. One bloke apparently kicked his own TV in. And sent ITV and sent ITV the bill for kicking in his own TV. Oh my god! <laughs> Which this is just a good story, whether it's true or not. And so the front page of the Sun and the Mirror and the Daily Mail and all these papers the next day was all shock, horror, punk rock, swearing, and you can see all these in the documentary. There, it's it's publicity you could not buy for a million pounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just worked perfectly fine. And from that moment, they were instantly hugely famous across the UK because of the press. But not in a good way, though, right? Not in a good way. People wanted to kill them. People wanted to beat them up because they had some songs about anarchy and they had a song about called God Save the Queen. And it was during Silver Jubilee year as well. At the height so of... So the whole country was supposed to be very, very patriotic mm-hmm. and coming together to celebrate the Queen and... Johnny Rotten's song was a big piss take about that, and it was kind of an alternative national anthem, and kind of taking the piss out of the Queen and the whole system. Yeah, which is it's just exercising his right to free speech, really. Mm-hmm. But it was seen as a massive outrage. Yeah, yeah, okay. And some some sort of royalists wanted to kill him, and they tried. I think he got beaten up quite a few occasions. Yeah, just you know for speaking his mind um so the most of the violence in punk was actually directed at the punks right like it was a bit of a national sport to beat up punks if you were a skinhead or if you were a nationalist right i see i see okay um and then kind of the sex pistols broke up uh, a year or two later yeah they were only together for a mass maximum two years yeah okay whereas some of the other bands continued and then you you mentioned before that there was a kind of a a second wave of of punk or 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 is this post-punk well it's all kind of the same and you've got new wave as well Mm -hmm. but so the second wave of punk sorry i was going to say did punk music change the music scene did it change music i think it did massively if you watched top of the pops back again Mm -hmm. there's definitely a newfound energy even in the bands that weren't particularly punky, yeah. that's when New Wave came in. The sort of record companies went, oh, I'm not sure about this punk thing, but if we call it New Wave and smarten them up a bit, give them a skinny tie yeah, and put a few badges on the lapel, they kind of look a bit punky, but without actually being punky. Right. And so you get New Wave. I mean, I love Blondie, but bands like Blondie and that kind of, that kind of slightly up-tempo pop i kind of think of the police kind of yeah the police were new wave i'd say but but you get the kind of gist right and the the thing though in some form in some ways it was an invention of the record companies to try and market something that was a bit more palatable but in some ways really genuinely good bands came out of it as well so it was a mixed bag i think it's sort of provided a sort of a bandwagon for some artists like for example the the police who before were all in sort of like a jazz rock fusion bands and then they got together and they did the and then they sort of presented themselves as being punks because uh, that was sort of fashionable and and they broke through that way and then they kind of went back to some of the more sort of fusion type music and bands like the jam who weren't really a punk band but they kind of were helped out by that kind of small gig kind of energy. Yeah. And and they used some of the spikiness and the fast playing and the sort of aggressive nature of it. Without right. actually being punk, they were influenced by it. And then you've got bands like Joy Division, 
who are really beginning to be seen more and more. I think they're more popular now than they've ever been. Right. And they were they started life as a punk band before slowly changing and evolving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and they, I they, mean, they brought in Nirvana, the- Nirvana mm-hmm. hugely influenced by punk, um, grunge. Uh, the Oasis, Noel Gallagher, once I saw an interview with him and he said he'd give up his entire back catalogue to have recorded Nevermind the Bollocks. Really? Wow. Yeah, oh, there's another one about Nevermind the Bollocks. They what? they got taken to court because of the name. Yeah. And what happened? They won. What, because of the, the word bollocks in the name? Yeah. It was argued but, um, that that was... That was it was a- argued that it was offensive and it shouldn't be allowed in shops and stuff. But uh-huh. their lawyer said it's an old Anglo-Saxon word. And as such, it's part of our language, and fuck you, basically. <laughs> All right, <laughs> nice, nice one. Um, I'm sure he didn't use those exact words, but it was it, it was um, what's his name? Branson, Richard Branson, Richard Branson. What about him? It was he was his label. Oh, that, he that, he's yeah that paid for the lawyers. I see. All right, um, and then um, so what about these days? Then, like, how does sort of punk fit into our culture these days? Then, well, it seems people going on about it like this. Yeah, way and, more than ever. And docu- I mean, it documentaries gets endless, endlessly talked about in in this country, anyway. Next time on Bad Dad's cliched memories of punk, Bad Dad remembers Malcolm McLaren. Just seriously made history, you guys. Oh, Malcolm was just a bloody wanker. Everybody knew it. The Pistols and Bill Grundy. Go on, you've got another five you seconds. Dirt. Say something outrageous. You dirty bastard. Bill Grundy was just goading him, so Steve gave him what he wanted, big time. And the Manchester gig that started it all. Everyone who was the Manchester Lesser Free Trade Hall gig went off to start a band. Pete Shelley, Bernie Sumner, Morrissey, Tom York, Michael Stipe, Bono, Suggs, Lolly, Billy, Scooch, Robbie Williams. And in Sunday supplements, it's become kind of quite as absorbed into the establishment now. Because there's not really... Also, the generation that grew up with punk is now the generation that is the establishment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So people of the age that they are now of sort of running the show, especially in the media, right? Um, were kind of probably fans of punk at the time. So it's become kind of mythologized quite a lot. People are very, weirdly, very nostalgic about it to a time when a rebellion they could understand. Right. Um, and it's... It's very romanticised, I think. Um, and I think people kind of wish there was something like that now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a and movement. People kind of, there hasn't been a movement since Rave, really. Yeah. You know what I mean? There was like Acid House and Rave, and since then, what has there been? I think there's only been about sort of... I think it's all the same movement, basically, which is people going, you know, let's just let's just dance to music and just go wild that's kind of the point isn't it and that's just the thing that keeps coming back and it goes from let's just go wild and dance to music to let's do all this business stuff and this highfalutin world tours and all this kind of multimedia stuff and then it comes back down to let's just play music and dance around i mean i think i suppose the closest thing you could relate to it now is like grime music what's grime music it's like a very basic version of rap slash dance from the uk 
mm. which I some of it I quite like, some of it I don't like. It's, um, it's made using sort it's, of cheap synthesizer sort of drum machines and stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it's very cheaply made. It's very aggressive. I mean, it's got a bad reputation. It's very similar to punk when you look at its reaction in the press. Yeah. It's seen as violent, seen as untrustworthy. There's a lot of police shut down grime concerts because of fears of violence. Yeah. Which are sometimes founded because there is quite a lot of violence on the scene, but it's hard to. I mean, when you put it in the context of the wider society, mm. really clamping down on some kids playing music does seem a bit reactionary. Yes, it is. When you look at that's probably more of a symptom than a cause. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, grime is maybe the closest thing that's going on now. Okay. But again, that's going mainstream now, so that'll probably become watered down and. Um, become less meaningful and move away from its initial origins so you reckon that punk has essentially been absorbed into our culture and i think so it's just part of the establishment now it's part it's part of the story that people like to tell about the country Mm -hmm. people sort of like to have their version of events that everyone agrees on and it's become absorbed into that version of history that even though at the time it was maybe quite a small thing it's become seen as more important as time goes on. Yeah, cause I mean, the record, the, the main record, Nevermind the Bollocks, didn't sell that many at the time, but it slowly sold more and more and more over the years, and it's kind of their legend has sort of grown yeah. like that. And, um, I mean, there was this, there's this political program called Newsnight on the BBC, mm-hmm. and they got a letter from a Tory MP saying, after Brexit, I think you should play God Save the Queen at the end of every broadcast. Because that's, they they that's what they used that's to do. That's what they used to do in the, the olden days. The national anthem. Um, so the woman on Newsnight said, well, okay, Mr. Tory MP, we'll do what you say. And they closed the programme with, nev- with uh, God Save the Queen by the Sex Pistols. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of as a joke. But what that shows is that in today's society, the Sex Pistols' God Save the Queen is less controversial than playing the actual national anthem. Right, yeah. That yeah. that is now the accepted establishment version, which is okay because they were being sardonic and questioning, whereas just playing at the actual national anthem would be seen as jingoistic, right wing, um, national. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do totally. Yeah. Before we go, you might have seen the demand by the Conservative MP Andrew Rossendale that BBC One should play "God Save the Queen" at the end of the day's programming to mark our departure from the EU. Well. We're not a BBC One, and it's not quite the end of the day, but we're incredibly happy to oblige. Good night. But does this mean, then, that that Newsnight or the BBC has a kind of political bias? That they, cho- I think, they chose yes, to, to they, the they, they chose to stick their fingers up at the the, 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 the old fashioned Tory MP who complained that they weren't playing the national anthem by playing the Sex Pistols version. Yeah, to me, it seems like the people at Newsnight are just trying to be cool, though. As they well. are, but they're of that age that they grew up with that, and to them, that's it's a kind of a cozy, comfortable rebellion. Yeah, <laughs> because it's a long way in the past. It's kids with noisy guitars, not really that rebellious. Uh, it's not actually dangerous. It's more mm. just a nice idea. And it's about freedom of speech, I think, for some people as well. Right. But it's funny how all these perceived wisdoms get brought together and to create this legend. Mm. 
I mean, when everyone's died, who knows how history will become slowly rewritten? You know, when the surviving members have all gone in a hundred years' time, what will the story be? Yeah, it's just it's a bit it's, like it's a bit like. Um, I mean, we've we've got Guy Fawkes night, haven't we? Yep. Who tried to blow up the Houses of Parliament, Mister Guy? We actually, yeah, go on. he's sort of an anti-hero in our culture. We celebrate every year this attempt to blow up the Houses of Parliament by burning this guy on a bonfire. Yeah, which <laughs> nice, which is, um, but it's a celebration as well. Right. It's weird. We love our anti-heroes in this country. Right, we do, don't we? Yeah. Isn't uh, isn't it all funny? Isn't it's it? all fascinating, isn't it? Funny old world, isn't it? Anyway, so one little thing can mean many things to many different people. Yes. Yes, it's fascinating. But I was going to say the one quick thing that we haven't covered is like punk art, design and fashion. Mm-hmm. Jamie Reed is my favourite punk artist and he was a Sex Pistols designer. Yeah. And he's into very up cut and paste kind of style yeah you know the ransom note look like me which has now become a shortcut for punk uh-huh a visual shortcut i mean i've even seen a kfc advert using the ransom style or a mcdonald's ransom style graphics to look edgy and they use the never mind the bollocks colors right yeah i saw that mcdonald's saw mcdonald's did a whole marketing thing uh done in the punk style yeah, exactly. And that punk style is now immediately identifiable. You know, it's labelable, it's identifiable. Jamie Reed kind of in- invented that style, even though he nicked it from someone else, probably. Right. But there was a lot of that, just take what you want kind of attitude. Yeah, I just found it here. It says, Big Flavour Wraps from McDonald's, and it's written exactly the same way as the Sex Pistols uh, writing yeah. on their album. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So this is where we get reality versus legend. Yeah. And, you know, how things get absorbed and recycled and things seem important now that weren't seen as important then. And it's all it's all the history, how history works, isn't it? Yeah, it's it is amazing. Like myth making. It's, it's yeah, true. It's exactly, basically this, exactly. this, is, this is the way that myths get written. And, and, it's and this is what we're doing now. We're, we're contributing to that myth making, but hopefully analyzing that a little bit as well. So essentially, it was just, um, you know, even just a handful of individuals playing some music, you know, just a bunch of guys getting together, playing some music, <laughs> and um, and doing a few gigs, like one in Manchester that was quite important. And then, you know, here we are, we're still talking about it all 40 years yeah. later. And they recorded one album, effectively. There was a, a soundtrack album that came out and a few compilations, but they don't really count. They, the Sex Pistols, that is, made one album, which is now the sort of, I don't know, the Rolling Stone number 50 best album of all time or something. Mm -hmm. They got invited to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, although they turned it down at the last minute. Yeah. It's cited as everyone's favourite album from, like, Noel Gallagher to... Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain, people like that. And it's it's really it's really interesting. Do you think that this movement has significance beyond uh, the UK borders? I mean, obviously, we talked about America as well, but does it... Does punk music have significance elsewhere? I think it could have even more significance in some countries that are like more repressed. Fuck no! So I'm going to stop now because I don't really know what I'm talking about. But um, some parts are like there's, South there's lots of yeah. South America's got a huge punk scene. Places where there's probably not that much access to huge amounts of equipment. Mm. It's valid as ever, and um, it's there's still the most fun way of getting a band together. I mean, if you if you want to get a band together start starting with punk is a good place to start yeah because that way you limiting yourself almost you're not trying to be too ambitious you're saying look we can put this together three chords you know doesn't matter if you have the most expensive guitar 
it's a good place to start, I think. And then when you've got that down, you can then develop it. Mm-hmm. But right. uh, but punk staying the same forever would be pretty boring. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of punk bands around now that just thrash out the same old stuff. And it's not revolutionary. It's not interesting. It's it's boring. So the main thing is just do it. Just like, you know, uh, it doesn't have to be perfect or anything. Just do, just do it. Just do it yourself, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the main thing. Just and like, a lot of people have applied that to other areas. Yeah. Like that approach, like factory records, not record labels, even some businesses yes. consider themselves to have a sort of punk approach. Mm. Okay. Well, it's very interesting. John. But the main thing is just listen to Nevermind the Bollocks and some of the other albums that I'm going to list at the bottom and just get into it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> just get into it, man. Just get into it. Do you know what I mean? Just get into it. All right. Or not. If you don't like it, don't don't listen to it. But um, I think it's it's great stuff. So you're going to send me. me some some links and videos and things I'll, then? I'll send you some links. I think the best one to watch is The Filth and the Fury, the which filth is the Julia... The, yeah. the Julian Temple documentary. The Filth and the Fury. Yeah, which was one of the newspaper headlines. Right. <laughs> they didn't make that up. That was the Sun or the Star or something. The Filth and the Fury. This yeah, is after... that was after the Bill Grundy swearing incident. Mm-hmm. We can post the swearing thing at the bottom of this as well. We'll put that as the first one. What? what, what? Oh, the Bill Grundy the Bill thing? Bill Grundy I might incident. play some of the clips. Um, and then I'll put the Sex Pistols um, Christmas gig 77 because I love that because there's so much stuff... Of yeah. from England or the UK from 1977, which makes you see what a ridiculous, weird place it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and the, the context contextualizes. That's a good word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a new thing now. It's a good it? word. Yeah, yeah. I have to that's a good word. Turn that into a new thing. That's a good word. But it has to be like it's, sort of under your breath, like yeah, okay, you know, really contextualizing. It's a good word. Uh, the situation <laughs> of the of, of the time. Uh, and then you can go and listen to the Clash if you want. I think I think they should listen to uh, like um, and the Dams New Rose. Listen to that, yeah. And listen, definitely listen to the Slits. Okay. And um, just enjoy Steve Jones' guitar tone on Nevermind the Bollocks because it's the best guitar tone ever laid down on yeah. wax, I believe. Nice Gibson, uh, and it's the Gibson Le- Les Paul. Gibson Les Paul. With lots of overdubs. Didn't he and, steal um, it? Didn't he steal that from uh, Rod Stewart? Or David, that's another legend. David yeah, he Bowie. stole stole all their equipment. You should read his book, actually, Lonely Boy. It describes how he used to be a sort of lonely sort of thief in Hammersmith. And he used to go around stealing equipment from Bowie. Um, he stole Bowie's microphone from on stage. The, the, the very microphone that Bowie used to announce the, the end of uh, Ziggy Stardust's career. Yeah, The that same mic. microphone. Um... It's just a, a good story. You should, yeah, Steve, just Steve investigate, investigate further if you want to. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much for talking to us about it all, James. God, I'm beaten, beaten now. This really, if you, you feel spent. Trying to... That's a good um, word. That's a good word. I'm trying to ex- express myself clearly without gibbering too much rubbish. I think you did all right. Hey, man, never mind the bollocks. Yeah. Do we know what that means? Do you know well, what that means? Yeah, never mind the bollocks. Uh, yeah, I think I know what it means. It's like, never mind the bullshit, right? Like, yeah. forget about the bo- the bollocks. Yeah, never mind the bollocks. Here's the Sex Pistols. And that was a bit of slang from the time. It's like, never mind all that other bollocks. 
Here's but I don't think it's pistols. a coincidence that Nirvana called their big album Nevermind. Ah, uh, yeah. It's like a little double meaning. Because oh, Kurt loves Kurt loves his double meaning. So does Johnny Rotten, and a lot of other lyricists. I think have been inspired by his sort of wordplay. Yeah. So there's some good wordplay in the album. If I was to play a little clip of some music to end the episode, which bit should I play? And you should play Seventeen by the Sex Pistols. You're only t- is it that one? Twenty nine. Got a nine. <laughs> Okay. And the, the chorus of that is just, I'm a lazy sod. I'm a lazy sod. I'm so lazy. <laughs> I can't even be bothered. But there's a really nice middle eight to that bit as well. I remember listening to uh, that album on the bus when I was at school. Uh, it must have been about 14 or 15. You made me a tape with loads of different punk music on it. And I remember listening to it on my Walkman on the bus to school and home every day. Did you and- smash up the bus? Uh, yeah, smashed up the bus. <laughs> uh, you know, gave the V's to the teacher. Screw you, teacher. Um, and generally did it myself. Yeah, and brought it back to basics. Yeah, it was all about back to basics, do it yourself. Um, I joined a band in when I was about 17. <laughs> That's true. And it was um, called Skellington. And the band, officially, our musical genre was funk punk. So yeah. it was kind of like funk music, but quite badly played <laughs> by teenage with, children with with a lot of with a lot of energy. And we looked a bit like um, what are they called Hanson. Yeah, you did. You were like a punk funk Hanson. Hanson, the 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 group that did Mbop in the nineties. We looked like them, but yeah. the punk version. Good times, indeed, indeed. Good times. You were in some punk bands as well. I've been in a few bands. I was in a band called The Genital Fungi. <laughs> the Genital Fungi. That's a good I was in a band couple called, of words. The best one is Grandpa Knuckles. All right. That's a good name. That's a good word. Yeah. Yeah, Grandpa, Grandpa Knuckles. Knuckles. I was in a, a, a punk band in New Zealand called Cop Car. Okay. And also in London, in Salvo. Salvo. They were sort of punky, weren't they? Yeah. I did a whole episode about Salvo once. I know. We got really drunk and sort of leery, didn't we? Yeah. And Chris got almost a little emotional. Well, anyway, uh, thanks for talking to me about punk rock music. And uh, That's that's fucking all right. Have a nice day. All right. What are you doing today? Have you got any any plans of such? I'm going to prepare for my interview tomorrow. Got a job interview, yeah? Yeah. But I don't want to jinx it, so I'm not going to say any more, mate. All right, just make sure that when you speak in the interview, if you say any clever words, you can just say, that was a good word. That was a good word. Mm-hmm. What I've done here, basically, is juxtapose. That's a good word. That's a good word. Two uh, ideas together. Yeah. And just like, I really need the loo as well. Okay, I need the loo too, so I think it's probably <laughs> a good time to, to call it a day. Thanks right. again for talking to us about uh, punk rock music. And uh, That's all right, Luke. We're going to be having our special punk rock uh, play uh, drive time uh, playlist uh, tomorrow at 5pm, uh, so tune in for that one. We'll be playing some of the Sex Pistols and uh, maybe some Clash, maybe, um, let's I've see. I've got a punk mix online, actually. Shall I send you, you can link up my punk mix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. might yeah. get some more listeners. I've only had about 10 listeners. Because you, you, you put up musical mixes onto Mixcloud and they're very good and you do them on vinyl and you're mixing them properly and everything. And you did a punk yeah. re, punk rock one. Uh, so yeah. I'll link that on there as well. Yeah, Brilliant. Punk rock mix. Okay, well, you can go, right. you can go and have a slash now. All right, guys, go and join and start a band, yeah? Go, yeah, all right, everyone, go out there and can start a band. Yeah, all right, nice one. Okay, yeah. cheers. Bye. Cheers, bye, 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 bye. 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 bye.
Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.